uh, I remember my wife finally said to me about the dishwasher. She said, honey, if it's so important to you, why don't you just load the dishwasher? <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, I could do that. <laughs> and I've been loading the dishwasher for 45 years now. <laughs> Dr. Gary Chapman has a passion for people and for helping them form lasting relationships. He's a well-known marriage counselor and director of marriage seminars. The Five Love Languages is one of his most popular titles, topping various bestseller charts for years, selling over 20 million copies, and has been on the New York Times bestsellers list continuously since 2007. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure, friend, to have you stop by, and we're very thankful to have Dr. Dr. Gary Chapman join us via phone here on Bot Radio Network today. He's coming to Germantown Baptist Church on November 5th for the Five Love Languages Marriage Conference, Saturday, November 5th from 9 until 3.30, Germantown Baptist Church, 9540 Poplar Avenue. You can go to fivelovelanguages.com, click on events, and make sure you register. You're going to want to come and participate in this conference, and I encourage you to do that, and we'll be giving more details. But let's welcome Gary. Gary, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint here on Bot Radio Network. Well, thank you, Byron. It's great to be with you. Hey, I made a bad mistake last week. I called you on the same time wrong on my calendar. You had it right that you were actually driving to the Cove. I hope that time went well. It, well, it did. We had a great time. As, as you know, the Cove with Billy Graham Training Center is just a wonderful place uh, with all sorts of wonderful things going on there. Oh, I know. Well, I actually first met you, my wife and I first met you in North Carolina, in Cary, North Carolina. We were preparing back in 1996, was just a few years ago, to go with Transworld Radio Ministry, and the staff had invited you to come in. There was my wife, Pam, and two other couples, and we had this one-day seminar with just Gary Chapman and now three couples, and you talked about the five love languages, and what a, <laughs> what a great time. I remember that, Byron. Uh, it's, it, that, you're going way back now, but I remember <laughs> being with Transworld Radio, uh, which incidentally have done a great job through the years uh, with the radio around the world. Well, we served with that organization for about six years, traveled there to uh, the island of Guam, where we lived for three years, and then God redirected really the ministry. Uh, five of the families were reassigned as they decided the local radio station was relinquished to national partners. And so we were looking for a place and happened to be on a furlough at the time. And the Bot Radio Network, who I'd worked with prior to going with Transworld Radio, invited me back. So that was back in 2002. And it's been 20 years now since I've been back here in Memphis with uh, Bot Radio. Well, that's that's pretty good record, uh, Byron. Pretty yeah. good record, 20 years. <laughs> now, I have to tell you, I just finished serving 50 years on the same church staff. Oh, so my. you got a ways to go, okay? <laughs> i got to catch up with you, Gary. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Your book, Five Love Languages, was first published back in 1992. Did you ever think this book would strike a nerve in the marriage relationship like it has for these past 30 years? The short answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I did know that the concept would help people because I had discovered it in my counseling with people that, you know, what makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved. And if you want them to feel loved, you've got to learn to speak their language. So I had been using that in my counseling at least for five years before I ever wrote the book. So I knew it would help people. But no, I had no idea. I think the first year it sold 8,000 copies. And then every year after that for a while, it just doubled. 
and now it's been out 30, as you said, 30 years. This is the 30th anniversary. Every year it sells more than the year before. Oh, that's amazing. Which doesn't happen to books. No, it doesn't. <laughs> wow, God is good, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. People ask me, how do I explain that? I say, well, the short answer is God, and the long answer is God. Yes. <laughs> that's all I know. That's all we know. Well, what stands out to you most? You've been teaching this material now, as you said, for 30 years over and over and over in conferences like the one you're coming here on November 5th at Germantown Baptist Church. What stands out to you through all of these years of teaching five love languages? You know, what is so encouraging to me is the number of people who come up to me when I do a conference like this and say, we just want to tell you, this book saved our marriage. We were next door to divorce, and we read this book, and the lights came on, and we realized how we'd been missing each other. And we took the quiz, we learned each other's language, and it literally saved our marriage. That's always encouraging to me. Of course, the conference is not simply for troubled marriages. You know, the conference is for marriages of any age. We have People have been married for a year. We have people come who've been married 50 years. Because one of the things I'm trying to do is not only stimulate growth in their marriage, but also let them get tools in their mind and heart that they can use to help other people. And also, single adults often come just you know wanting to learn about marriage. And certainly engaged couples come as well. So, And it's more than just the love languages. You know, I, I, t- I start off with a whole session on communication which is fundamental to, yeah. to having any kind of relationship. You've got to learn how to listen to each other and talk, you know, and how to solve conflicts because every couple has conflicts. And I have to be honest, Byron, when we got married, I had no idea how to solve conflicts because when you're in love, you don't think you'll have any, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were some of those tension points that you and your first wife, Carolyn, wrestle with most? And I say that jokingly. <laughs> <laughs> My first and last. Yes. <laughs> Well, one of the things we dealt with, it was just the whole thing of, of uh, solving conflicts because, you know, she'd been out of school and I'd been out of school and we were, you know, I, I, well, I was 23 and she was 22 and I, you know, finished college and I thought, you know, man, I, I know what to do. I, I can handle this, you know, but uh, we differed on a lot of things. And I later found out the reason we differed is because we were humans and humans, <laughs> humans don't think the same way and humans don't feel the same way. And many couples have never discovered that, that they're married to a human. And they don't treat each other as a human. You know, they, they handle conflicts by simply arguing with each other, trying to prove to them that I'm right. And you try to prove that you're right. They're trying to prove they're right. And you have an argument. And you get loud and screaming at each other. And here you are into marriage, you know, six months later, and you've lost all those euphoric feelings of falling in love. Hmm. And now you're wondering, man, I don't know if we're compatible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We we have to learn to solve conflicts, or we're not going to have a long-term healthy marriage. That's a good word there, Gary. Well, take us back. What do you remember most about the relationship that was modeled by your parents growing up? You know, I, of course, as a child, you observe your parents. And uh, from my perspective, looking back on it, they had a fairly good marriage. There were a few times when my dad would kind of lose his temper a little bit and speak loudly to my mother. I do remember that. But other than that, they worked as a team. I'm grateful that I had that kind of model. No parents are perfect. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to deal with your failures. I deal with that in the seminar conference, too. you got to learn how to apologize when you hurt each other and apologize to your children when you yell and scream at them. So apologizing and forgiving and how that works, you know, because we have different ideas on apology, just like we have different ideas on love. 
So learning how to apologize in a meaningful way is a part of also having a healthy marriage. Gary, why do you see that couples spend so much time criticizing one another, how we do this sometimes and get caught in this, and how can we get out of the ditch of criticizing one another? Well, I think, first of all, you have to recognize that it's destructive. Now, there is a place for constructive criticism. That is, there is a place for bringing to light the things that your spouse may be doing or saying or not doing or saying that are irritating you. There's a place to handle that, and there's a way to handle that. In fact, I have a session on how to do that in this conference because most couples don't have a plan. You see, there's going to be things about your spouse that's going to irritate you. One of them with my wife was the way she loads the dishwasher. You know, I mean, I'm organized. I think there's a place for everything. And she loads it like she was playing Frisbee. You know? <laughs> so and, and, but, but most couples don't have a plan. So they hold all these things inside that irritate them. And then one, one night, they explode. And they just rattle off five things that are wrong with you, five things I wish you would change. And, and they're not going to change. They're going to probably shoot you a few. You know, so swift yourself. You know, they shoot you. So... I think we have to realize it's okay to, to surface these things, but there ought to be a positive way to do it. And that's what I do. I try to teach people a positive way to bring up these kind of things and not overload and not explode. Part of the session that we had with you dealing with conflict and facing it head on to one another to the point where you even sat in a chair across from each other, knee to knee, face to face, and talked through what was frustrating you. Yeah, and listening is a, is a huge thing. We are not listeners by nature. In fact, uh, research indicates that the average person in a conflict situation will listen to the other person for 17 seconds before they interrupt and say, well, that's not right. Well, that won't work. And now we're into an argument. So uh, one of the things I talk about is how do you listen empathetically? That is, trying to put yourself in the shoes of your spouse and look at the world through their eyes. Because in their mind, what they're saying makes sense. And if you listen to them and not come back and shoot down what they're saying, but try to understand what they're thinking and how they're feeling, then you can honestly say, you know, honey, I think I hear what you're saying, and I can see how that makes sense. Well, now you're not an enemy. It doesn't mean you agree with what they're saying, but you can understand it now. And then they listen to you, and and, and you explain your perspective. And then you can say, both of you, honestly, you know, I, I see now how, how you could say that and how you would feel that way. Now, how can we solve the problem? And you spend your energy solving the problem rather than spending your energy trying to win an argument. Yes. I, I sometimes say to couples, do you ever stop to think if you win an argument, that is your spouse just gives up and says, have it your way. If you win an argument, your spouse lost. It's no fun to live with a loser. Oh my. So why would you create one? Yeah. You know, why would you create a loser? We don't need to be losers. We're on the same team. Yeah, I think sometimes we make it a competition, right? Yeah, we're acting like we're on different teams and we're trying to win. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, as humans, we were all created to worship God. And even after we've entered a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's that temptation to build idols that are rooted in a need for security, satisfaction, significance. How does pursuing idols knowingly or unknowingly impact our relationship first to God, and then in our marriage relationship? I think any time that we think we're going to find ultimate meaning in something else other than God, we're on a downward road. I don't care whether it's entertainment or sports or anything, anything, but this is where I get my real meaning in life. 
it's empty. It's ultimately going to be empty. But our relationship with God is central to everything. And it's certainly central in terms of marriage relationship. Because if I'm out pursuing something else where I think I'm going to find real meaning in this and ultimate meaning in this, I'm going to probably neglect my spouse in the process of all of that. But the closer I come to God, the more I'm going to be committed to my spouse because I'm going to realize God ordained marriage. And here we are, married to each other. God's intention was that we become one, that we have a deep, intimate relationship, you know, sharing life together in the deepest possible way. And I'm going to take the attitude of Christ, which said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. <laughs> so if a husband gets that, closer he gets to Christ, the more he has the attitude toward his wife, you know, honey, I'm here to enrich your life. You tell me what I can do for you, what I need to do to help you become the person you feel like you need to become. He takes that attitude. She takes that attitude. You're going to have the kind of marriage you wanted to have, supportive and caring marriage. So our relationship with God greatly impacts our marital relationship. You know, I've just seen that in the last few days, Gary, in this tension of trying to move, pack up and move. You know, we're having a house refurbished that we're moving into, but it won't be ready until a couple of months. So we're trying to close on a house this week, move in with the mother-in-law, who's a very sweet lady, by the way, for a couple of months until the house is completed. And we went into the attic and started pulling things out. And some of the things were memories from childhood and then relinquishing those things or realizing there's times you've got to let go of things and how these just little things like that can be a source of conflict with one another, agreeing oh, yeah. on what do you keep, what do you get rid of. <laughs> Have you been there? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so why would you want to keep that? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, if they want to keep it, let them keep it. What have you got to lose? You know. <laughs> but it's funny how we had these battlegrounds that we want to die on sometimes. And there's such frivolous things that really don't matter, especially in light of eternity or in light of having a healthy marriage. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, I remember my wife finally said to me about the dishwasher. She said, honey, if it's so important to you, why don't you just load the dishwasher? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, Oh, okay. I could do that. <laughs> and I've been loading the dishwasher for 45 years yeah. now. <laughs> but yeah. Incidentally, yeah. Byron, yeah. you know, we do have a lot of fun at the conference. I say to them, you know, I have three objectives. One is that, that your marriage, if you are married, your marriage will get better because marriages are either getting better or getting worse. Okay. And I certainly hope it won't get worse because I came. <laughs> I hope it'll get better. I hope you'll learn some things that are going to help you help other people with their relationships. But the third thing, I hope we can have some fun. And I sometimes say, yeah, I do meet Christians who don't believe in fun. They say, oh, no, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm going to have fun. <laughs> I believe we can have fun and learn at the same time. <laughs> I agree with that, Gary. Well, let's remind our friends listening here on Bot Radio Network, we have Dr. Gary Chapman, who's the author of The Five Love Languages. And he's coming to Germantown Baptist Church on Saturday, November 5th from 9 until 3.30 p.m. The church is located at 9540 Poplar Avenue in Germantown. You need to register, friend. You need to come. There's no age requirement. If you've been married for 50 years or just a few months, you're encouraged to sign up for the Five Love Languages Marriage Conference. Go to 5thenumber5lovelanguages.com and click on events and be sure and register early and want to see you there on November 5th. Gary, do you find that couples who first discover Right. And I think you've already answered this, but I kind of want you to talk more about this. Discover their identity in Christ. 
are able to maintain a much more healthier marriage? Well, I don't think there's any question about that. You know, and that's why I think the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. A person who's committed to Christ, a person who says they are not or they don't even believe in God, the most crucial thing in life you disagree on up front. So why would you pursue that kind of relationship? So, you know, and now the scriptures are very clear that there are people who marry some people who are not Christians, and they said, you seek to win them to Christ by your model. You model the spirit of Christ toward them, and then perhaps they will become. In fact, that was true of my parents. My mom and dad married. My mother was a Christian. My dad was not. And I said to her later, years later, when I was interviewing her, I said, Mom, you know, did you ever think about how dangerous that might have been, you know? She said, no, honey, I really didn't. She said, but God took care of it. Uh, two years later, he became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, he became a Christian. Okay. <laughs> so I was grateful that by the time I came along, my dad was a Christian. But yeah, I, I think the relationship with God really impacts everything we do in life. Mm. But it certainly impacts the, the marriage relationship because we're human and we're going to have conflicts like everybody else does. But if we have the attitude of Christ that we're here to bless each other, we're here to encourage each other, we're here to work together as a team, we will have what God intended us to have. You know, God said about man, Adam, it's not good to be alone. And that word means isolated. So his answer was the creation of Eve, the institution of marriage. And then he said the two will become one flesh, you know, deep, deep, deep intimacy. And that's what we want. We long for. If you're getting married, you want to have a deep, intimate relationship and feel like you're understood, you're accepted, you're encouraged. And when that's going both ways, you'll have the kind of marriage that you wanted to have. You know, Gary, I can't help but think there's somebody listening right now here in our conversation. And they say, Gary, you just don't understand. I've tried. We've been through counseling. It's just not working. We can't work through these issues. We can't come to a resolve and move past and, and build this healthy relationship you're talking about. Is there a time when there is no hope for marriage, where it just can't work and the only option is divorce court? Well, I think there are times in which you have to do what I call tough love. If you've leaned over backwards, you know, and really sought, I, I have two books that deal with this. One is called One More Try, What to Do When Your Marriage is Falling Apart. And the other is Loving Your Spouse When You Feel Like Walking Away in which I explore the possibility of loving someone who is unlovely. And we can only do that with the help of God. I challenge couples who are that, in that place when I counsel with them to a six-month experiment. Let's see what will happen. For six months, you speak their love language consistently at least once a week, and let's just see what happens. And I have seen that influence of love touch the hearts of many hardened people and turn them around. But yes, particularly in places where, let's say, it's addiction of some kind, or it can be physical abuse and that kind of thing, there is a place to say, honey, I don't know how you feel about us, but I love you too much to sit here and do nothing and let you destroy me and the kids. So I'm going to move in with my mother or whatever plan you have. I'm not abandoning you. I am willing to go for counseling with you anytime you're willing to go. I love you too much to sit here and do nothing. To me, that is tough love. It is love because many times, particularly with someone who's addicted to, to drugs or whatever, they don't wake up until they realize they're about to lose someone. But if you've given six months of loving them and their love language, now they realize 
man, I'm about to lose this person. And they're likely to begin to change their attitude and be more open to changing their, their behavior. Gary, just how bad have you seen some couples travel down that road of their marriage to only find new love and respect for each other? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I got a when, the last con- conference I did just uh, a weekend ago. A guy gave me a little sheet of paper and he said, I think you might enjoy reading this. And he gave me the story of how he divorced his wife, or I don't remember, maybe she divorced him. And then he married again, and I think that spouse died. And then, I don't know, 20 years later, he and his first wife began to have dates together. Both of them had met Christ. Both of them were growing in Christ, and they remarried. (laughs) They have a wonderful marriage. Oh, that's beautiful. So that that doesn't always happen. But as long as we're alive, there's hope. Because we're human and we can make decisions. In fact, we do. Every single day we make decisions that either make our marriage better or make it worse. We can't control what the other person does, but we can control what we do. You know, loving a person that's not loving you is not natural, but it is spiritual. Because the Bible says God loved us while we were still sinners. Yes. <laughs> Christ to die for us, oh, you know? Yes. So we responded to his love. So love is the most powerful force, I think, to influence a spouse. You can't change them, but you can't influence. Well, Gary, you have a BA and an MA degrees in anthropology from Wheaton College and Wake Forest University. And I was just wondering, what former societies and cultures and history have you studied that intrigue you most about marriage views and concepts from the past? Well, you know, there's no one particular culture that stands out in my mind, but the reality is that marriage is a part of human culture in any any culture. Uh, there are no cultures that marriage is not a man and a woman, is not the central focal unit in society. Now, there are cultures that you can have four wives in some cultures. You know, <laughs> I remember a man asked me one time, I was in Saudi Arabia, he said, I have a question for you. I have four wives. I have another lady I'd like to marry. How do I decide which of my four wives to divorce so I can marry her? Because they could only have four, you know. <laughs> you were asked that and question. I said, <laughs> yeah, I was asked that question. And I said, I don't, I don't think I can help you. I said, because in my culture, we only have one wife. He said, only one? I said, only one. <laughs> I don't know how you'd make that decision. So, you know, there are differences, obviously, in cultures in terms of marriage. But marriage is still the central focus of the unit, you know, in society. And where there are healthy families, there are healthy culture. And that's one of the things I think that, that is so disturbing today in our culture is that we have so many, uh, I think it's 40% now of the kids that grow up in a home that uh, either with a single mom or, or a divorce situation. So many homes, uh, you know, the, the children grow up and they don't see a model of a mom and dad loving each other and being kind to each other and treating each other with dignity and respect. So uh, the marriage is the central unit of the family, and the family is the central unit of society. Gary, as a parent of two grown children, Shelley and Derek, what stands out about the way they engage their spouses, if married, I don't know if they are, that helps build the gospel-centered home that you would like to see? You know, they both are married, and they both are strong Christians. Carolyn and I just tell ourselves regularly how blessed we are. In fact, someone asked me the other day, uh, what is your greatest legacy? And I thought a moment, and I said, my two children, my two children, (laughs) because Mm. they're both passionate for Jesus. One of them, my my daughter is a medical doctor. She delivers high-risk babies and loves what she does. My son is the opposite of a a medical doctor. He he would never be able to sit down and, and, and do all the stuff to become a medical doctor. Uh, he, he majored in world religions, 
philosophy, and English. Then he did a master's in expressive therapy, using art and music as therapy, you know. <laughs> and then he finally came home and said, Dad, I'm beginning to realize, even though I might be helping people, if you don't get people to Jesus, you hadn't really helped them. And maybe you have to go to seminary, which blew our minds, because he had never, ever talked about that. But anyway... Uh, he, he has had a ministry for years. They lived in Prague in the Czech Republic four years, Antwerp, Belgium, two years. They now live in Austin, Texas. And the theme of Austin, Texas is keep Austin weird. <laughs> and they're helping with that. You know. <laughs> but they, they both have spouses that are deeply committed to Christ and deeply committed to each other. So, yeah, we're just greatly blessed oh, in that area. That's such a blessing, Gary. So you're coming to Germantown Baptist Church on Saturday, November 5th. What do you enjoy most about events like this one you're coming to? Well, first of all, I enjoy meeting people. You know, I do spend time with people before, and at all the breaks, I'm available to talk with people. And after it's over, I'm available to talk to people. I don't mean long-term counseling, you know, right there, but, but just <laughs> to meet and, and answer questions and that sort of thing. So I really do enjoy that. And I enjoy the conference itself because I know what I'm teaching is going to make, it can make a difference in their life if they're willing to apply the things. And we give everyone uh, a listening a guide in which they take notes as we go along through the day and follow-up book called uh, The Marriage You've Always Wanted that I challenge them to go home and work through a chapter a week. So it can be a life-changing experience. As I said earlier, for those who have a good marriage, it can always be better. And for those who are struggling, there's answers. Mm-hmm. You can, there's steps that can be taken to make things better. And many times engaged couples come, and that's wonderful. Sometimes, as I said, single adults will even come. They say, I just, I've seen so much dysfunction. I just want to hear what a good marriage looks like. So we have a lot of fun, and also it's just super, super practical. You can give biblical principles and never talk about how they apply on Thursday night, but this is a very application-oriented experience. So I, I would just encourage couples to come and bring a couple of with you. Make it a fun day. Come yeah. and then go have dinner together. Yeah, but hey, it's the Five Love Languages Marriage Conference with Dr. Gary Chapman, Saturday, November 5th from 9 a.m. until 3.30 p.m. Germantown Baptist Church, 9540 Poplar Avenue in Germantown. Go to the website, friend, five, the number five, lovelanguages.com. You can click on events, register. Please do so. Dr. Gary Chapman, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you for what you're allowing Christ to do in and through you for his kingdom and helping to strengthen the covenant marriage relationship that God designed. Thanks so much for joining Bot Radio. Well, thank you, Byron. It's good to be with you, and keep up the good work. I know that what you're doing there is touching the lives of a lot of people on a regular basis, so God bless you. Thank you, my friend. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.